Okay, good to see y'all. Brother Jim's getting an extra book or two, and we'll get started here in just a moment, okay? We're beginning a section now that uh, is entitled Assurance. It's helping us to hopefully uh, see how, how some things that we can know for sure so we're going to be looking at subject matters through the next six weeks of forgiveness, relationship, truth, victory, God's love, and in the end, salvation. So today uh, we're looking at uh, being sure of forgiveness, and that is our personal forgiveness, dealing with relationship. So uh, with that in mind, we're on page 14. And the real question that the writer starts out with is, can we be sure of anything? Well, uh, I, I know I'm sure of one thing, and that is that things are changing all the time. However, there are other things that we know, uh, that we know, especially biblical things. Well, the, the writer just introduces a few things there. He said, after COVID-19 arrived last year and shook up the everyday routine of our lives, nothing seemed certain. And uh, as a result of that, uh, many people have been shaken but are continuing to be as well. I'm not going to read all the introduction, but he says there on that page 14, we are forgiven when we confess our sin and walk with Christ. Now, for those who are watching this morning and participating with us uh, by means of YouTube, watching the streaming lesson, we're in 1 John, 1 John chapter 1, and then we'll look at a passage in chapter 2. So, uh, if you will, get a hold of your Bible if you're watching and participating with us today, and, and follow right along, Okay. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5, 6, and 7 is where we begin today. Uh, this is the message that we have heard from Him and declare unto you, God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in Him. If we say we have fellowship with Him, and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. Now, who has not read the book of 1 John numerous times in our lifetime? How many preachers have not preached many series of sermons out of 1 John, me included? We love the book. The book of 1 John is written largely uh, to believers. It is written about things that we can know of. And the verse that we uh, hold dear especially is chapter 5, verse 13. These things have I written that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And I remember many times as a kid growing up, I... Uh, had a wrong concept of what it was to be saved. And uh, I have to confess today, my concept was uh, if we 
have more good uh, than we have bad, and it weighs out, we'll be saved. Well, that's not a scriptural uh, definition of salvation, and this study will help us be able to uh, show that as well. The character of God is the foundation of our forgiveness. The character of God. This is the message we've heard from the beginning. God is light and in Him there's no darkness at all. So as we look on page 15 now, uh, as we see that definition of our Lord, uh, the, one of the great ways for Him to be defined there is as light. Amazing, as we study the life of Jesus, Jesus was always uh, using uh, current things. He was using situational things as He would teach. Uh, he could pick up a loaf of bread and give a sermon. He could likewise take a cup of water and give there a Bible study. Uh, and now uh, there's one other explanation here, and that is that of light. Not only is, there, is He completely light, but there's absolutely no darkness there in Him at all. Now, we remind ourselves when we see darkness uh, mentioned in Scripture, it is usually a reference uh, to sin or sinful activity. And because of that, uh, we know that our Lord is absolutely perfect. So this definition of Him... Uh, gives us uh, good comfort and consolation. God's terms are clear. We are forgiven when we confess our sins and commit our lives to Christ. Now, knowing, as I've introduced this to you already, that the next six weeks we're going to be looking at some things we can be sure of, so therefore we talk about assurance. I was uh, studying the other day, and I wrote in my... Uh, book here. What is best, insurance or assurance? You know, both of them are good, somebody said. But I'll tell you, uh, insurance doesn't get us into, the, uh, into our heavenly property, does it? But assurance does, because our assurance is in uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the right margin on page 15. There's a little arrow there, darkness. The idea of walking refers to a person's way of life. If anyone lives, in a, if anyone lives a life of continual, unrepentant sin and claims to be forgiven or to have fellowship with God, he is tragically mistaken. The way he lives points to the reality that he is not in fellowship with God. One of the hard things, especially for me, and I'm just going to confess it, is when somebody claims to know Jesus, they have had a, a commitment to Christ. It could have been when they were 6 or 16 or 66. It really doesn't matter. But yet and, yet and still their life doesn't demonstrate no growth or no likeness of the Lord at all. Now, I know that relationship comes through the blood of Jesus. I know that fellowship is something that will uh, be forever important, but we can be out of fellowship 
and therefore uh, demonstrating no growth whatsoever, uh, and therefore as if looking as if we don't belong to Jesus. Well, uh, he covers some of that here. If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. Now, uh, hand in hand, some people see fellowship as. Heart in heart, we see fellowship as well as relationship as. Well, uh, Jesus brings transformation in our lives. 1 Corinthians 5.17, or maybe 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Continually become new, okay? That means as we grow in Christ, rather than just grow old, we're growing up as well. We should be putting away these old childish things, or putting away these things of the flesh that the... Things of Christ be more real in our lives. So as you look at that there on the bottom there, page 15, that 2 Corinthians 5.17 passage that I was just referring to. Now on page 16, the real contrast in these first few verses has been the difference in darkness and light. Now, uh, most all of us can relate to that, can we? Yeah, let it get pitch dark outside. You might have uh, memorized your house so well that you can walk from the back room to the front room in pitch dark without stumping your toes. But you let your wife move that coffee table and you try that again. And you kick that thing at night and you'll know in a hurry that light is better than darkness. Uh, I've come in this building many times before and pitch dark. And somebody say, how do you get around there when it's pitch dark? I say, I try to find me one little, one little glimpse of light. Whether it's a light on out there or a light on outside, I just look at that and I try to walk toward the light. And I, I can usually make my way then. But if I'm trying to walk away from the light, I never have a good ending with that. So when he talks of light here, the writer helps us to see that to walk in light is to live a life consistent with the will of God. So if we want to be like Jesus, our life is going to be resembling Him, the things He chooses, the way He functions, and therefore He is best described there as light. You remember Jesus even said to believers that we are the light of the world. Matthew five sixteen, I believe it is. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill should not be hid. So if he says we're light, we should be looking like light as well. Now he said, if your pattern is turning from darkness and pursuing holiness, then don't doubt God's forgiveness towards you. We are forgiven when we confess our sins and walk with Christ. I remind you again in these verses, verse 7, he said, If we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of his Son cleanses us from all sin. Now, I love that emphasis there in verse 7. 
Not only is He describing how we have fellowship and relationship with the Father in verses number 5 and 6, but He is also describing how this fellowship likewise connects us to one another. Do you see it? We have fellowship with one another. One of the beauties of church life, is it not? And that, and that is that we are in this thing together, I call it. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, whether we call ourselves that or not. You know, calling me by my first name is not offensive to me. However, 50 years ago, if you'd have been going to address a fellow believer, you would have heard uh, someone say, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. Why? That was a term of endearment, indicative of that we belong to Jesus and to one another. That's a beautiful passage. Now, we're reading in verses 8, 9, and 10. For those of you who are following with us this morning, or maybe you're viewing this uh, another day and not live, uh, we're looking at 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, 9, and 10. If uh, we say... Now, uh, I want to remind you that uh, that is a repeat clause in these verses. We saw it in verse 6, if we say. Now we see it in verse number 8. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His Word is not in us. What do you see in that phrase, if we say? Any, anybody want to uh, add to that or something? What do you see with that? Do you see that He's talking about sometime we talk casually? And we're saying things that we can't substantiate. We can't prove them. We, we can't uh, show that to be true. Well, one of the areas that he is uh, talking here in these verses uh, is concerning sin. If we say we have no sin. Now, again, following his same uh, pattern of giving notes, if you're looking there on page number 16, First of all, he deals with the word deception. He said that we deceive ourselves. How many of you know that uh, uh, deception deception is a, a, a spiritual backbreaker, I'm going to call it, okay? You know, we know it's one thing dece- to deceive somebody else, isn't it? Yeah, that's easily practiced. We probably have done it somewhere in our lives, not bragging on that, uh, praying that it's not a part of our lives anymore. But he's not talking about deceiving the mom or the dad or deceiving the teacher. He said if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and therefore the truth is not in us. Failure to admit sin is a mistake of the highest order. Why would a person fail to recognize and confess sin? He said, first of all, self-righteousness. Can't study the New Testament very long and not get into the subject of righteousness. Well, here it's talking about self-righteousness. 
And by doing that, that self-righteous person says, uh, I have no sin. Now let me just go ahead and give you my interpretation of that. As far as the Lord, Je- as far as the Lord looks on my life, He's seeing me through the blood of Jesus, and He does not see me as a sinner, does He? He sees us as saints, does He not? Not by practice, but by position. But, now, if we think about how uh, we see ourselves sometimes, we readily have to admit that we still miss the mark sometimes, do we not? Romans 3.23 Uh, We still sometimes uh, deceive ourselves, but that's because of self-righteousness that we would say we have no sin. I used to work with a fellow in a particular job, and I can't be too, I won't give too much more detail than that. Somebody might try to figure it out. It wasn't at a church. It wasn't here. Uh, But uh, that particular fellow was uh, of a different uh, persuasion when it came to his affiliation uh, with a church. He claimed to be a believer. His life was very indicative that he had relationship with Jesus. But he was taught because of the way his church saw that is that, is, is that when you become a believer, you live above sin. Boy, those guys could get him going. They get him going. You know, there's nothing better than a group of guys that can get under your skin, is there? And they would get that guy going about that. And he would hold firm, I am not a sinner. Well, friend, let me just go on record as saying, we are sinners saved by grace. And there will be times we miss the mark. He said, if we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves there, and as a result of that, he said uh, uh, there, His truth is not in us. But if we'll confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he spoke to self-righteousness, an attitude that said, I'm not that bad. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty good compared to... You probably readily could think of somebody you're pretty good compared to right now, couldn't you? Well, uh, self-deception, we can convince ourselves that our sins are no big deal, but we be woefully wrong. Try to justify and make excuse for their sins. Self-deception. Confession, though, uh, to confess literally means to agree. You ever went to a, uh, went to a uh, courthouse? You, you were either there because they were trying to pick a jury or you had got picked as a juror. And you had people there who were uh, there to confess. That means they agreed. Well, uh, that, is a, that is a term in which we agree. But the Lord, as we see the writer giving us that on page 16, the opposite of, de- of deception is confession And confession leads to forgiveness. We are forgiven when we look at our sin in light of Christ's righteousness and willingly confess our sin for what it is, and that's wickedness against God Himself. Now, He doesn't add this, but let me just go ahead and give a little, I I think a little note to that. I can confess something and really not get forgiveness for it, I think. 
Because what the Lord's looking for is He's looking for confession and repentance. You know, it's sort of like catching your son or your daughter if you've had kids, and you caught them. We used to use the expression of catching them with their hand in the cookie jar. You know what I'm saying. And, uh, yep, Mama, you caught me. But you go back, and, oh, Mama, I'm sorry. But you go back, and that afternoon, the hand's back in the cookie jar. Now, what, what, is, what are we confessing when we're continually doing those things that are contrary? I think we're confessing that we're sorry we got caught. But confession that leads to repentance brings forgiveness from our Father. He said, you have no reason to doubt forgiveness when you confess your sin and walk in Christ. He said, I'm sure you have heard it said that a promise is only as good as the person giving it. Consider then who is making this promise. God is faithful and righteous, and His promises are true. So those verses say, if we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His truth or His word is not in us. Now, none of us, I don't think, under the sound of my voice in this room would call God a liar, would we? But you know what? He didn't say we call God a liar. He said, though, if we, if we say we have no sin, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. So with that in mind, we've got to deal with the matter of sin, have we not? And I hope that not only we have, but those listening by means there of YouTube, that we've seen that in our own Bible, and as a result of that, that we're living a light that is demonstrated as light. And he said, in him, being Jesus, is no darkness at all. So, chapter 2 of verse 1 and 2 now, remember, we're, we're studying this thematically. And the theme here is things we can know. Well, in verse 1 and 2, he said, My little children, I'm writing you these things that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, He Himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. And we could really say a big hearty amen to that, couldn't we? He didn't just die for me, He died for all. John assures the readers that if there is sin, He said, we do have an advocate with the Father. The word advocate literally means one who is called to come alongside another. If the counselor for one's defense in a court of law is a person, or it's the counselor for one's defense in a court of law, a person who intercedes for someone else. You ever watch a court case on TV and the advocate for the one there that's representing them. Sometimes they have to look aside to the one they're representing and tell them, hey, now you just be quiet a minute. Let me handle, let me handle uh, giving out the information that needs to be given. Amazingly, 
Thankfully, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. I'm on page 18 looking at some of the writer's notes here. Your lawyer stands and pleads your case to the judge, and then amazingly, you discover your defense attorney is also the judge. The scenario portrays the reality of our relationship in Christ. You have no doubt of forgiveness when Christ is your advocate. Amen. So we look at this from the judicial terms. And he says, if any man does sin, we have representation with the Father. Now, we know that our Lord Jesus, we're told, uh, I think it's in Hebrews, we're told where He's at today. Where is He? Seated somewhere at the right hand of the Father. And He's doing something still. What is He doing? Making intercession for us. Oh, man, aren't we glad? As the old hymn writer said years ago, many years ago, Oh, what a Savior! One that who would die for our sin. Forgive us of our sin through the blood of Jesus. And then represent us before the Father as we might continually fall and miss the mark. God the Father provided the sacrifice Himself. Thus, He satisfied His wrath by giving His only Son to die in our place. Therefore, when we sin... Christ pleads our defense based on His finished work upon the cross when the Father lovingly gave and received. The extent of His atoning sacrifice is for everyone who believes, regardless of skin color, ethnicity, or economic status. Aren't we glad He didn't die for the elite? He died for all. Amazingly, how how sometimes if we're not careful, we still can, can uh, categorize sin or sinners. And because of that, we diminish the power of the gospel for sure. How has God's forgiveness impacted your life? Sure, He's forgiven us. Has it impacted our lives in other ways? had a Bible college teacher in the 80s. He, he, he was just an old earthy fella. He came out of the hills of Kentucky. And as he came out of the hills of Kentucky, he would always remind us about when he got saved. He got saved out of the coal mines of Kentucky. And he said when he got saved and he would go to church... There would be times when they were standing on the porch outside as old country Baptists used to do and just having fellowship and fun. And he said there would be times that that old language would slip out of his mouth again. And he said that not to boast about it. He said that to remind us of the continuous grace of our Lord who is constantly representing us as well as forgiving us in our shortcomings. He said, Patients often need blood transfusions after a severe accident or during surgery. However, the patient must be given a blood type that is compatible with their own. 
He said, researchers in Japan have developed artificial blood that possibly can be transfused into any patient regardless of blood type without complication. And he talks about the professor, and he quotes him, said, it is difficult to stock a sufficient amount of blood for transfusions in regions of remote islands, but the artificial blood will be able to save lives of people who otherwise could not be saved. Now, I had not checked the accuracy of that, okay? We don't have a doctor in here to tell us about that. I suppose that it is accurate or it should not be printed in our quarterly today. But the writer goes on to say, Better than any artificial blood, the blood of Jesus saves everyone who receives it. When we talk about blood type and the power of the blood... And just, just in, in, in closing today, just think about the songs that are written that talk about the blood of Jesus. And agree, if you can, that a lot of our theology past was first learned through singing of hymns. And then we went to Scripture and made sure it was a reality. You know, this day and time, uh, we don't get those same, those same opportunities. Why? Because, and I'm not knocking songs, but some of them just don't have that type of uh, discipling mentality to them, like some of our older ones did. Think about what can wash away my sin, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Power in the blood. You know, so that's that's where I was going with them various thoughts there, okay? Okay, folks, uh, you have your book, those of you who are in class with me today. And we have looked at uh, things uh, we can know, sure of forgiveness. Next week, we're going to look at sure of relationship. So those of you who are listening uh, today by YouTube... Stay in chapter 2 of 1 John. And beginning in verse 3, we'll be looking all the way through verse 17 next week as we study. Uh, They're sure of relationship. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to uh, you uh, joining us again uh, as we're together. Bless you.